Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Thursday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel. Here with Joel L. Conan. Dennis, uh, I think, is a little bit too hungover from his Christmas celebration. So we're, we're going to give him the day off today. Uh, he'll be back with us tomorrow. So just Joel and I with you for this morning. But we got two guests on our docket. First up at 8.15, we will be joined by Mark Chaikin. He is the founder of Chaikin Analytics. And at 8.35, Tracy Reiniak will stop by. She is a stock strategist at Zach's Investment and Research. And she has some thoughts about what the uh, what the outflows in equities mean for the strength of this rally. Uh, speaking of rally, Joel, when will it end? When will the Santa Claus rally end? Tell us what's happening here overnight. Uh, well, it's not ending right now. S&P futures in the green by 4.75 handles. Let's call it five at 32.30.75. Opened up just above the close, a couple closes, daily support, caught a bid right away. Uh, upside target right now is 34 and a quarter. That was your all-time high made from Monday. Tuesday's high just under that. So there's your target. Uh, looking at crude, crude is up eight cents at 61.19, knocking on the highs of the recent move. That high comes in at 61.54 today, up eight cents. Gold back over 1500, up $5 at 1509.80. Silver, once again, outperforming up 19.2 cents at 1804.5. And uh, Bitcoin futures just hanging out here in the lower 7,000s. Uh, we're up 30 bucks, low volume at 7,265. So, Joel, how was your Jewish Christmas? How was my Jewish Christmas? Yep. Uh, I went to my first Christmas brunch. I got my first Christmas stocking. Uh, from my son-in-law's uh, mom. And what did I get? I got some pens. I got some Michigan socks. I got some candy. All right. All right. Some, so, so it was good. Yeah, yeah good. I, what, I've been missing out on uh, all yeah. this for the last me, 56 hey, years. Me too. I, mean, I, I went to a Christmas party on, two, on uh, what Tuesday night and had some ham. It was great. Yeah. I've definitely been missing out on that on my, my whole life. So, yeah. uh, so. It's it's nice to know that we both can. It was cross. a nice holiday. Nice holiday. Very, nice holiday. Very very. very then nice. I watched uh, the Irishman yesterday, which took me 
the majority of the day to get through. Good movie, but just a little bit too long. And man. what was your overall appraisal of the Irish? It was good. It was good. Uh, it didn't like blow me away, but it was a good movie. It just did not need to be three hours and 20 minutes. It could have been like two and a half hours, and I would have been fine with that. I don't think I needed uh, three hours and 20 minutes of of Robert De Niro meeting in hotel rooms and restaurants with people. Um, yeah. But um, anyway, that was how we spent our Christmas. Uh, Joel, interesting show this morning. We uh, I actually you know before we get into that, I do want to make a quick announcement. Um, we've decided that we're going to take the uh, last two days of the year off. So Monday and Tuesday of next week, uh, we're not going to be doing a show. So tomorrow will be our last show of the year. And so to that, that makes today our second to last show of the year. And we have some movers. We have some pre-market movers. Not a lot of uh, news. Some stocks are moving off some small headlines here. But let's just start with uh, with retail because there are some headlines from out from yesterday uh, about just what a record retail uh, holiday shopping season it was. MasterCard came out with some numbers. Uh, they said retail sales were up 3.4%. Online sales were a record 14.6% of total sales. Amazon said it was a record. Everyone's saying it's a record in spite of the fact that it was a shorter holiday season because Thanksgiving was so late in the year. But I guess everyone is buying strong consumer and uh, people are buying. It's all good. Yeah, some of these retail stocks uh, have indicated that uh, from their last earnings reports. Uh, RH, just to name a couple, and Lulu Levin. I mean, people are going to get their shopping in, right? I mean, it's like, you know, they say, well, it's a shortened holiday season, but who doesn't have time, right. to, you know, at night to go online to buy gifts? I mean, right. how much like, you know. Uh, well, well, maybe that's why the retail sales were a record, because people didn't have time to go out to the stores. Yeah, but, uh, you know, yeah. we'll find out our winners and losers. Trying to track down Ryan Craver. We'd like to get him uh, get him back on one more time to discuss the, the winner and losers in the retail sector from the holiday season. Uh, just, you know, when you think about uh, Amazon, you think about the online retail, I don't know. This thing's really got to get over 1,800. I've been looking at it. It's been knocking on the door. Resistance certainly hasn't been going with the market. I wonder, you know, Gene was a little tapping on it on uh, when we talked to him about on Friday. But there's your beer. Let's look at uh, Kohl's KSS. That's making on the comeback trail here, trying to get over $52 and get into that gap area. The best in breed, Target, just consolidation again here near new all-time highs. So that chart's looking pretty good. Walmart. Walmart had its run, and wow, that had that one weird. Was that an earnings day when it spoke when it spiked? It had to be. What day was that? That had that was the earnings. Look at that move on earnings day. Holy moly, what were people thinking? Um. Yeah, that looks like it was November fourteenth. Yeah, that's. I mean, that sounds like it was earnings. It, yeah, and, and it was. Wow, that could be a whole another show too. Like earnings days, uh, you know, highs or lows, you know. Big, big turning points right there. There was your turning point, pulled back, and now trying to rev up. Looks like a 122 seems to be resistance here, short-term resistance. Uh, and FedEx, I just wanted to look at FedEx real quick. We talked about this one on uh, Friday. Started to get off the mat, got the downgrade from Argus, pulled back. But uh, for you FedEx traders, 
to keep a real close eye here, I think it was like, let's just call it 152.75. And the reason I say that was you had um, a high uh, yesterday, uh, which was Tuesday now, getting my days mixed up, at uh, 52.38. Monday's high was at 52.76. Then you go back to last week, 152.77. That was the uh, high on the gap down day. So a uh, little pullback in FedEx and uh, still have the lower move intact. Uh, let's see what we can do above 152.75. Joel, if I can wind the clocks back a year, do you know what happened a year ago today in the market? Did we go down like a thousand points? A year ago today, we hit the low of that move. So the rally, the the rally actually started a year ago today. This rally that we've been on all year seemingly started that low, December 26th, uh, 2018. That was the low. And we started going up on that day. The low in SPY was 233.76. And we bounced and we haven't, haven't looked back. <laughs> haven't looked back. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Now, let's hope, uh, let's hope 2020 can bring the same. And I wasn't, I, I was off uh, well, the last week of the year last year. So I wasn't paying as close attention. But I, I do remember checking my phone on, I, I was in DC on that day and just seeing, oh, market rallies, market rallies, market rallies. What? We've been selling for for a month, all month last December. It was it was nice. That was a nice volatile December here. Uh, the opposite. I mean, what could go wrong? The trade deal, right? Interest rates are flat. Earnings, uh, everything to see, you know, seems to be in line. Yeah, just crazy how how times can change. I mean, twelve months ago. Today, we were worried about an imminent recession. Imminent recession. I was not worried about an imminent recession. All right. Well, people are worried about a recession. What was the inverted yield curve? That was like a <laughs> spinner and everyone in the chat that, was that, all like, oh, we got to lower interest rates. There have been like four inverted yield curves since then, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, everyone so. was freaking out in, I think, September maybe about uh, the inverted yield curve. No, that was earlier in the year. Like earlier? Yeah, it, it was like in the summer of the spring. But uh, – yeah, it is just crazy. I mean, now here we sit, twelve months late, um, twelve months later, all-time highs. You basically could throw a dart this year at a dartboard and make money, unless you were buying Bitcoin, uh, pot stocks, or some of these these new IPOs. You probably made money in 2019. It's just an just an unbelievable year for almost everyone. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. So we'll talk about that with Tracy and, and Mark, actually, uh, both our guests today, and just what they make of that, and uh, well, you know, what they, what they, what that means for uh, 2020. In the meantime, let's get this question. Stocks up. It was in the pre-market chat yesterday on Christmas, asking for our thoughts on Square. I'm sorry we didn't see it till now. Stocks up. I was busy watching The Irishman. Joel was doing his Christmas thing. So, Joel, let's pull up Square here and let's give stocks up. I don't know. It's just everyone wants it to go and it won't go. You know, I just I I don't know what to say about it. It, ha- it to me, it like it has to feel like it. It had its run. It's had its all time high, and it's just gonna be you know that performance. People that were looking for that performance in the stock in early eighteen, it just doesn't. It just doesn't feel like it's it's gonna happen again. Now that doesn't mean that it won't, but it just feels like I've been looking at this thing. It's sixty sixty five. You had a little run up to 70, you know, how high did you get? 68, 96. I don't know. They don't pay a dividend, right? 
Uh, not to my knowledge. Let's find out real fast. Yeah, I, I mean, if you have some short-term technical levels that uh, that you could trade it off. No. Uh, then I don't know. I just it just is not a candidate for my long-term investment portfolio in 2020. Just seems like it's just blah. Other stocks out there don't. All right. Well, Mark Chaikin is hot. He's chomping at the bit. He, oh, he wants, wants to come he, on. He wants early? to come on. Does, so does he know that's going to cost him money? <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark, uh, I'm, I'm bringing you on right now. Mark Chaikin is the founder of Chaikin Analytics, joins us every other Thursday, a longtime veteran of these markets. He's seen it all. He's done it all. Mark, uh, good morning and uh, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to both of you. Glad to see that you were ecumenical in your celebrations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, always, always, Mark. All right. So you, why are you so hot this morning? I mean, I, the market's hot, so you're hot. I was in, we're in New York City. Sandy and I are here in New York. We're going home later this morning and uh, New York revs you up. So I'm just, I'm up early and, and ready to go. Let's, uh, let's look at some themes. Well, okay. So let's start with uh, the theme of this year is everything goes up. Well, everything didn't go up. That's the thing. If your Almost. dart hit an energy stock, you, you and energy basically stock. your balloon got burst. But uh, you were just talking about Square and Square. What's interesting here is, Retail sales online knocking out of the park. You talked about 1800 on Amazon as being critical. Our power gauge is still bearish on Amazon. That is the critical level. There's been a lot of positive money flow. Checking money flow for now two months on Amazon has been strong. So there's been some persistent buying, but it hasn't moved the stock up. But what's interesting to me is with online retail sales knocking out of the park, you've got Amazon with a bearish rating with that um, 1800 resistance level. You have Square, which has had a bearish rating, eBay with a bearish rating, PayPal trading poorly. What's going on? Uh, where's, <laughs> who's making money in online retail? Maybe they, all, they are all making money, just not, maybe it was already priced in. How about that? Maybe it was already priced in. That could be, or maybe, you know, the competition is starting to level the playing field. And, um, I'm shocked that Amazon hasn't done better. It's trying to get above 1800 this morning with that big print on the Saturday uh, number that was bigger than Black Friday. But uh, I, I think this is an area you have to watch closely because if they fail and if the numbers when they're reported in February come in poorly uh, for the retailers, these stocks are gonna be sold. What I think is interesting also is the consumer is spending, we know that. They're spending on big ticket items. So Carnival Cruise Line's big report last week, spike up, stock trades well, Royal Caribbean went along with it. But look at the restaurant stocks. Restaurant stocks are in the tank. So the consumer is spending, but where is he spending his money? For an investor, that's the big question to ask. So across the board, I looked at the restaurant stocks before I got on the air. Chipotle. What restaurant? Donald's. I mean, Chipotle's... I wouldn't say it's in the tank. No, but Chipotle, Yum Brands, McDonald's. They're, 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 remember, we're at 52-week highs, new all-time highs. Uh, you, you, know, you look at stocks like FedEx and the restaurant stocks that are being sold, and there's a reason for that. Mm. McDonald's is the worst of the bunch here. But, all right. All right. So, so, so they're not buying fast food, but they're buying other things. They're, what does that tell you, Mark? I mean, what is that? I mean, talking about, you know, do you think that we're long in the tooth here and the expansion and 
or we're just going to the higher luxury goods? What are, what are the implications for what you're saying? They're going to the higher luxury goods. I think that's, um, you know, Ralph Lauren had a big turnaround. We, we saw the power gauge go bullish and the stocks start to outperform. Uh, good earnings report and Ralph Lauren, I think, is indicative of, um, and, and Restoration Hardware, RH, which you mentioned earlier. These stocks are doing better, but uh, I just think it's interesting. And that speaks to something you talked about, what's going to go, is everything going to go up in 2020? It's, it's clearly not going to be an across-the-board market. One of the messages I want to get across to people is 2019, biggest corrections, we had three of them, 6%. I think 2020, you're going to get at least one 10 to 15% correction in a continuation of the uptrend. So it may not come early in the year, it might come after the April earnings reports. A lot depends on guidance in the January numbers, but it's not going to be I don't think it was easy to make money in 2019 because the headlines were so negative. And it wasn't until December that the um, individual investor jumped on board. So it's, it's going to be a challenging year with an upward bias, but there are going to be bigger pullbacks than you saw in 2018, uh, 2019 rather. But, but what's like, what, is the macro headwind that's like what's standing in the way we have the, it's all good with china for now it's all good at the fed for now like what what yeah is, what's the catalyst going to be right. for that 10 percent correction well those it's something we don't know that's the thing we've had we're in the midst of a mini melt-up right now i'm not the only person who's observed that uh and that's because as you talked about earlier joel uh, the headwind risks have been taken off the table, China, the Fed, and the economy. We're back to a Goldilocks economy. So it's going to have to be some exogenous event. You and I don't know what that's going to be. Uh, but it means that investors have to be a little more selective, be more willing to take profits. The typical rally in, a, in an election year, we, we've just gone through the best possible 12 months, which is from that low on December 24th of 18, which turned out to be the, the low of the move at 2350 on the S&P big index. Uh, that's your best part of the four-year cycle. If the low comes in July, then you'll tend to peak July of, of uh, what would have been 2019. Typically a nine-year, a 9% median rally in an election year. So there's room to 3,500, but how you get there is going to be different than how you got there in 2019. Is it worth it to, uh, you know, like I, I've never really tried to time it with, you know, with my portfolio. Is it worth it to try and find some protection for that six to eight, 10% correction? Is there really any way to do it? I mean, you buy the options and the timing of it and everything. I mean, pretty much to stay in the course here is what most investors do. That's what I do. Is there any way to time that 10% correction? Well, first of all, put premiums are low. So whatever protection you find is going to be relatively inexpensive, but there have been a lot, there's been a lot of money spent trying to buy that protection in 2019. I'm not sure that's something I'd want to be doing here. I've lost your screen, but so can you still hear me? Yep. Oh, here. yeah. What about uh, storage no. stocks for the year? I mean, there's got to be no bigger, you know, uh, story and a stock than than Boeing, right? The stock boom on its way to what five hundred. Nothing can derail it. Has the problems. 
came back down, still up for the year here, but is that a stock that, that you would want to have in your portfolio in 2020? That's a good question. I'm going to dodge that bullet because uh, obviously they've made a management change under the theory that the optics will get better and uh, yeah, what, in, in Washington. Uh, you know, it's it, at this point, I don't think it's bottom fishing because you've got a nice triple bottom. If you buy it in here and it breaks uh, 320, you got to say sayonara. But uh, the news is pretty much out on Boeing. It can only get better because uh, they may see the fleets back up in the air. So uh, if someone wanted to take a shot here, and I mean a shot, and it's a longer term play, that might be really interesting. All right. What about uh, chip stocks? They tend to lead AMD, NVIDIA. Uh, where's your current stance on that? What are you looking at? Leading, we were very bullish on Corvo, AMAT, uh, LAM Research, and now you've got NVIDIA with a bullish taken power gauge rating. So the chip stocks have been leading. That's been one of the bullish pillars of our thesis to 3,200. Um, they're basically saying that the economy, um, even globally, is going to be strong. Uh, they also heaved a sigh of relief when the China deal went um, went positively in the first phase. So uh, chip stocks are overextended right now, would not chase them, definitely not chase them, but they're certainly uh, positive in terms of both fundamentals, the taken power gauge and technicals outperforming, leading the way really, really, really strong. And healthcare, that's one thing we haven't talked about. Healthcare. Go ahead, DC once is asking about healthcare. What, uh, what's um, on your radar for the healthcare? We can go uh, a lot of different ways, but uh, we'll stay from biotech, stick with healthcare. Healthcare has been the one area where I've really uh, nailed it in the fourth quarter, help people really be on the right side of that move. Very pleased to, to have done that. Everything from... Uh, Cigna to Centene to Bristol-Myers, the biotechs do look good, Biogen. Uh, this is a strong group. You know, what's interesting, I mentioned this on the show about three months ago, healthcare is a hybrid, it used to be a defensive stock. So it used to be grouped in with consumer staples, utilities, real estate as a place to go as a safe haven. So it's still a safe haven to the extent that people have got to take their meds. But it's also a growth area. So uh, I think healthcare will continue to do well. Uh, I like the group, the individual names, CVS, Cigna, as I mentioned, Centene, AbbVie, a killer stock that Jim Cramer likes. So he'll be flogging that one for the next few months. I, I think this is an area you've got to buy some pullbacks uh, because these stocks have done really well. They've made new all-time highs in many cases. And I think this is... A, a standout industry group and sector where you're going to make some real money again in 2020. What about like Pfizer here? Uh, sort of you left, out, hit, left out in the cold. You may have, I was going to say, you may have hit the one clunker in the group, Spencer. Let's take a look at what the power <laughs> gauge is saying. Down. Well, it, yeah. Here. It had a bearish power gauge rating until it went above its long-term trend line in late November. Uh, not a stock I'd want to focus on. I think that in healthcare right now, the story is pretty well known. So you go with the leading names, the stocks that have done well, buy them on pullbacks. I mean, for instance, with CVS, the market's recognizing that 
this merger that they had um, with Aetna is really a serious synergistic event. The combination of retail, healthcare, and the storefront medical facilities, um, treat, you know, not treatment, but where you can get your minor shots and stuff is really working. Uh, I'd rather be in Bristol Myers than Pfizer. If I could pivot here away from healthcare, Mark, what is the PowerGate saying on Netflix? Well, yeah, so maybe it's a good time to play Mia Culpa. Uh, the power gauge has been bearish all year on some stocks that have done really well. Tesla, obviously, back up to 420. Elon Musk is doing a victory lap. Uh, power gauge is just seeing fundamentals that aren't strong. Netflix, uh, it's got to get of that. Uh, it's it's got to overcome the uh, subscriber issue. I watched The Irishman uh, three weeks ago fabulous movie. These movies cost an awful lot of money. And the competition from Disney, from Apple, um, from Comcast is going to be dramatic. So uh, I just don't see Netflix as a long-term investment unless there's a buyer out there, unless someone like a Comcast wants to buy it. Uh, but uh, the Chaken Power Gauge has been bearish. I, I actually don't think that's hurt people because when you look at the healthcare stocks or the chip stocks making new all-time highs, and then you look at Netflix down from that high, what was it in the four, know, 420 440 area, 420, 40. Yeah, 423 from, from last year? Yeah. Yeah. No, this year. Just, 18, no, 18 is when it is all time high. Yeah, but just looking at this, the 52 week high. So, you know, I think we've helped people stay out of these. Uh, is this gonna get on fire? I doubt it. I doubt it. There's so many names in the space right now, Roku, Disney, Comcast, Apple. I'm impressed that Apple is getting a little more aggressive in terms of buying uh, properties for their streaming channels. So uh, this has now become a highly competitive area. Netflix had first mover status for a long time. I think that's over. And, you know, if, if the Irishman had been a bomb, where would Netflix be 260 today? I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, a lot of talk about sectors for 2020. And you've had oil uh, come off its lows, climbing steadily here. And you've heard a lot of pundits. Uh, we've had Mark Yusko on the show. Uh, a couple others say, hey, energy is the place to be in 2020. I've uh, heard some bullish uh, forecasts for crude oil. Uh, Talk about some of these stocks. Um, if you were in the oil patch, where would you want to be in? Just perhaps a, uh, a year-end prediction for crude oil. That is beyond my pay grade, but okay. I, will, I will say that Marathon Petroleum, which I think is a great company after that merger with Andavir, formerly known as Tesoro. Yep. Um, and you've got an activist investor in there, Elliott Management, that's really trying to break up the company. I think that this combination of retail, which he wants them to spin off, and the refining, and particularly their uh, Mexican exports, you know, the um, stock and the company has a strong presence, and after the merger, a big presence in Mexico. I think this stock down here around 60 is where if I had to pick one energy stock, it would be this one. I think it has the potential to 
break 70 on the upside, particularly with the pressure that Elliott Management is putting on them to break up the company. All right, let's talk about another widely filed sector. Having a good December as well. Should we be heavily into the metals in 2020? Or did we miss that little move here? Gold moved off off 1450, back towards 1500. Silver, a little bit of a lagger, but silver playing some catch up here. What's your outlook for the metals in 2020? I'm neutral to slightly bullish on GLD. Uh, I, I think it still has to prove itself. People have made a lot about this short-term breakout above 1400, but it's right at our long-term resistance and it's still got a pattern of uh, lower highs and lower lows. And um, it's, I, I uh, quite honestly, it's, I've never been a big um, metals fan. I, I like story stocks and, I can't get my arms around the story in the metals. This is more like trading commodities. So I think you've got to trade them technically. Uh, I don't know that the fundamentals ever um, make sense in the metals. Certainly not for me, but as a way to trade what is basically a commodity and maybe a fear trade, that's fine. I don't get why gold should be going up here in a relatively low volatility uh, global rally. So do you have a sense of why gold is going up? I mean, I've heard that, you know, um, I saw one comment that continued uh, easing, you know, uh, would be good for the, uh, you know, for the metals markets. I don't necessarily see that. I, I, I don't, I, I don't really see any fundamental reason either. I kind of always looked at gold as like an inflation hedge and if rates started to ratchet up, we were worried about inflation, but uh, you're right. Trading those uh, technically, I really, I don't, not bearish or bullish on the, on the metals either. Um, I just wanted to ask you, so let's say that I'm going to make you put one of these IPOs in your portfolio for, from this year. Please don't make it Uber. Okay. So I right, so it won't be Uber. Lyft, let's throw it in there. Beyond Meat. Peloton, uh, oh, no, not Peloton. Pin, pins interest, pin interest. Uh, what were some of the other ones? Here's the one I would buy. And I, you, you All know, right, give us it. You know, I'm not a bottom fisher, but I see strong shake and money flow Zoom. We use we we both use Zoom as our conference software. Um, they've just got way ahead of themselves above 100. But down here in the low 60s. Uh, if you had to be along one recent IPO, for me, it would be Zoom. And there is strong accumulation going on down here between 60 and 65. So uh, it's great software, as you know. We all shifted from something else to Zoom. And they've just got to work the big accounts. And the enterprise is going to be key for Zoom uh, going forward. It's not going to be you and me and the medium-sized user. They've got to really nail the video conferencing software for business internally not externally so but i think they can it's great management team all right mark chaikin he is the founder of chaikin analytics uh, mark thanks for the time today have a great rest of your decade we'll have a happy new year we'll <laughs> again in the new decade 
It's been a great year. I love the exposure and the ability to share views with your guys. And thank you for the Michigan chocolates, guys. It's the best. You are quite welcome. You're let's quite let's welcome. plug the Michigan uh, chocolate <laughs> cherries. Send them, what you send them? Yeah, Saturday. we 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 send we send Mark some some Michigan goodies. Yeah, yeah. Michigan goodies. I love that. It's it's a great way for you guys to share your heritage. So All right. uh, best Appreciate of it. everything to you and to the listeners. Uh, Happy New Year, and we'll see you early in January. All right. Have it, same to you, Mark. Have a good one. Be good. Uh, Eight thirty-two. Joel. Little is, bump. Uh, I don't know what it was. Something? I think no. They, I think no. Had, no. Might have been. I don't have uh, the imbalances, but I could tell you that uh, we just had a little blip up just a few minutes ago. Well, we had an eight thirty number. Eight thirty number. Yeah. What was that exciting number? Initial jobless claims uh, for December twentieth, two hundred twenty-two thousand, which was a slight miss on the two. 24,000 estimate uh, continuing claims were it was basically slightly lighter but more or less in line than not that you know not that initial initial job claims move the market typically but uh, that's what we're looking at here at 830 so okay that was our number there uh, we do have some questions from the chat I, I, I looked away for for a few minutes but we I, I do want to go through the uh, the chat at some point uh, sure, throughout, let's do that. throughout the day. Well, we got yeah. Uh, we have Tracy. We're bringing on Tracy Runyak in a couple of minutes, but before we do that, um, somebody was asking about Rite Aid, I believe, in the chat. Abner's boy has been telling us about Rite Aid. I don't know, Abner. How long have you been around here? He's been, been telling us about Rite Aid for, for a, while. a long time. I, I I didn't know if that was him this morning or not. No, and uh, and like we poo poo it. We're like, oh, it's a reverse stock and reverse stock split. What? How do you say that? Reverse split stock. Right. Exactly. Um, and really haven't paid too much attention to it. Uh, but it it's made a great move. It's doubled. It went to eight to sixteen. So. And it's up 18 cents today. I, let's look at the news here. I mean, I think what uh, Abner's boy is saying is that they're somehow attached to Amazon now. I don't know. I can't confirm or, or deny that. But um, that could be a catalyst. It's doubled. Uh, it's on its way. Some of these reverse stock splits, split stocks, uh, can run a, a long way. I don't know if he has a target on it or what. But if you want to look at it technical. I mean, you've doubled since its last earnings report. Continue to make new highs on the move. Keep an eye. I would I keep an eye on uh, that close for the on Friday, sixteen fourteen. Um, keep making new all time. Well, not all time, but new highs for the move. And then don't get worried until you see some consolidation. Couple highs, couple lows in the same area. Sits there for a couple days, couple days, couple days, and then maybe takes out the bomb end of the range. But right now, you're not seeing that. So. I Abner's boy, I'm giving you, I'm giving you congrats on that one. That, that was a really good call. You've been sticking with it for a while. All right, let's bring on our second guest of the day, Tracy Reiniak. She's a uh, stock strategist at Zach's Investment Research, joining us, uh, I believe, from Chicago, unless she's uh, on vacation somewhere. Tracy, good morning. Good morning. How are we doing this morning? I am in Chicago, by the way. Well, that's good to know. Then I was right on that. How are we doing this morning? Good, good. So tell yeah, me how are you guys doing? Tell me why I shouldn't be worried about the Alabama game. <laughs> Let's not get into this, please. She no, we, because we we play good on New Year's Day. We always play above expectations, Michigan, on New Year's Day. 
Okay. So I'm right. feeling I'm feeling good. The Big Ten is looking good against those SEC foes on on New Year's Day in general. Okay. All right. I will go yeah. with that. So we got a lot to talk with you about. And the yeah. first thing I want to talk to you about is, all right, we're having this big rally here in December, uh, but you're noticing more money coming out of the market than into the market. So, you, I mean, you just think it's, you know, yearly rebalancing of portfolios. People are trying to, you know, pick a top. They don't know what's going to happen with the China deal here. What's uh? What's the money flow telling you for 2020? Well, yeah, I just looked a few minutes ago because uh, we just got new data in for the week through December 18th. It's usually out on Wednesdays, but yesterday was the holiday. So just came out today and another 29 billion flowed out through the week of December 18th out of domestic equity funds. The week before that, it was about five billion, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you know, this is as you're hitting new highs basically every day. People are yanking out, and and 29 billion is quite a significant amount of money actually out of those equity funds. And we've been seeing that all year long. But even in the third quarter, when um, you know people are getting nervous about possible recession, we saw some of the economic data slow in the third quarter. And so that shouldn't be quite as surprising, but it was massive amounts that moved not just out of equities, but uh, just into money market funds in general. Like, so nobody was going into anything. And in the third quarter, it was the highest uh, amount since the Great Recession. It was over $200 billion went into money market funds. So it's not just end of the year balancing here it is seemingly kind of a general nervousness that we're at these highs and people just kind of moving onto the sidelines to wait and see what happens. But I feel like that's very positive for this bull going forward because we have so much, um, you know, we still have the jitters in the economy at least at my Christmas, nobody was asking me about what stocks they should be in or, or even this rally, like, Oh, you know, things look good. Nothing was said. And that's all pretty positive for keeping this momentum going forward because there is a lot of just doubt about the rally and you're not seeing the speculative bubble like behavior that you would think you would see with uh, these headlines about the NASDAQ hitting as many highs as 1998, like consecutive highs. So that's, it's a, that's a positive going forward into 2020. Yeah. I I was going to say, isn't that a good thing that people are are selling? I mean, that's, that's healthy investor behavior right there. They're selling, they're they're booking profit. That's what we want. That's good. So yes. And and also are, are we trying to suggest that like with people, taking money out, out of equity funds here, domestic equity funds, that they're trying to like time the market. We know that most people, almost everyone can't time the market, right? So like how much weight should we, should we really be putting into, you know, massive equity out, like inflows or, or outflows like that? Well, for sure they cannot time it, but they are seemingly trying to lock in some profits here, but they usually do get it wrong. That's what I mean. It is a very positive signal going forward into 2020 because 
probably, you know, we're going to continue to see a little more bullishness here because so many appear to be bearish. So are there any specific like sectors or markets that, that you have your eye on specifically for 2020 that you're most bullish on? Well, I'm a value investor, so I've been kind of poking around in some of the value areas and one that everybody is now talking about. So it's making me a little nervous here is the energy group again, because it was the most beaten down. I mean, when you start to see those headlines of, you know, 20 year lows or the lost decade, I always tell value investors, if they start hearing headlines like lost decade, um, to, to take a look and see what's going on there. And so I, I do still like the energy group. It has had a little bit of a run here in December, so it's not quite as cheap as it was just a few weeks ago, but it's still oversold. So I do like that area. And another area that is being overlooked is agriculture. Uh, um, that's been really beaten down with this trade war and what has been happening to the farmers and stocks like the fertilizer group in particular, they have the trade war issue, plus they have um, the weather issue. There, there was big flooding earlier in 2019 in the spring. The farmers got hammered on the flooding issue. Hopefully we don't see that again uh, coming this coming spring. But fertilizer stocks were at multi-year lows for most of 2019. So there could be some uh, buying opportunities there, especially in like a mosaic, which is ticker MOS. I also still like Nutrien, which um, is one of the big fertilizer plus agribusiness. They also sell seeds and other things, and that ticker is NTR. So you might want to look around in some of those names. I'm not as big on like the deers of the equipment side, um, although they should see a, a rebound if this trade deal is you know, certain to get signed, but it's going to take a while for the farmers to come back from how bad these conditions are. And so they're unlikely to be spending immediately on big equipment, but they have to spend on the seeds, the fertilizer, all of that stuff. So um, yeah, I kind of like agriculture and it's, that's a good area to kind of look around into for 2020. Would you play that trade with ETFs or, or just straight stocks that you think are, are the winners? I like the stocks better here um, just because they've been so beaten down. I feel like you can get some real good deals in there better than an ETF. Okay. Uh, what about retail here, Tracy? Uh, we've had some big winners uh, this year, uh, but how, how do you see that trade playing out in 2020? Well, we did just get that data into for the yeah. holiday shopping season. My good. gosh, up 5%. That is incredible number at this stage of the cycle because the consumer has been spending the last couple of holiday seasons pretty strongly. So to suddenly see another 5% gain tells you kind of other than manufacturing where the rest of the economy really is and how the U.S. consumer is really feeling here. And so I do like the retail names going into 2020, but um, it is it is kind of uh, the winners. And then we're, we do have this group of losers, which is why it gets a bad rap. But on the winner side, Target, you know, it's up, what, 100% now in 2019 or just about. 
And so it's had this big run, but it's not real expensive here. I think it's trading about 17 times now. Um, if you get a pullback, I like it better on a pullback, obviously. But uh, Target is one to look at. And if you just want the pure growth names, a couple big of uh, the growth retailers are really just going to have tremendous holiday seasons, I believe. And that would be like Lululemon, ticker L-U-L-U. And, um, you know, Canada Goose, although I'm sitting here in almost 60 degree weather in Chicago, so that's never good for them. But I still feel like they probably had a good holiday season as well, ticker G-O-O-S. And, um, you know, so stick with the winners on the retail side because they are doing something right. And the consumers are, they are out there spending for sure. Uh, referring to the uh, energy sector, uh, are you looking at value energy or the growth energy, you know, the solar or the clean energy issues? Um, yeah, that's a good question. The solar side has had quite a bit of run here in the last um, month or so. So I still like the solar side because they are pretty cheap. Uh, they had a run at the beginning of the year, too, off of lows of the 2018 December lows. And so then that kind of petered out, and then it was another buying opportunity. So if you're interested in more of the clean energy, I do like the solars. Um, I own Canadian solar in my value investor portfolio here at Zacks now, and uh, they're real cheap, like a single-digit PE. That ticker is CSIQ. And um, so I do like that area on the uh, oil and gas side. You kind of still have to stick with the Permian because there's a lot of, uh, you know, cheapness in those stocks. And I would go with some of the big winners of the Permian, you know, the big drillers who have the balance sheets that you want if uh, crude declines here. And so some of those would be like Diamondback Energy, which is ticker FANG, S-A-N-G, and uh, maybe like an EOG Resources, EOG is that ticker, or a Pioneer Natural Resources, and that ticker is P-X-D. And what are you avoiding? Like, what are your hands off? Either too much of a run in uh, 2019 or just too big of a pig in 2019? Anything you're avoiding? There's some uh, very pricey restaurant stocks <laughs> that I don't like right here, um, like stocks like Shake Shack trading, you know, just way above what their valuation really should be with those fundamentals. So some of the big name growth stocks have been just a little bit too overbought for me. Um, and I'm still not a big fan of the semiconductors. People know on my Twitter, I get into some Twitter wars with some people on the semis. It does look like we may have seen a bottom on the semi group, but they're just too pricey here for me if that was really the bottom to dive in after this big run that they've had. Uh, if I had to buy a semi, I would be in like NVIDIA and not in the microns, but um, I'm still I'm still avoiding the semiconductor sector here. If I can go back to the restaurants for a second, can I put Wingstop in that group of of pricey restaurant stocks you don't like? Um, are they? I haven't looked at their valuation recently. What is it? What is it? Oh, it's it's up there. <laughs> okay, they they used to be among the cheaper ones, but you know Wingstop was putting together a really good run of. Um, great same store sales there for a while. So 
I don't know if that it has paused now, but that those shares were definitely on a run. Um, and it was one of the better performers of the, of the restaurant chains. I like to go with some of the big names that, um, are what I consider to be, you know, the beasts of restaurants because of what they're doing with same store sales. So even though it's had a big run, I still like Chipotle here. CMG obviously is the ticker there because, uh, you are paying up for that growth, but they still, they're back, you know, they're back after their problems and people still love it. And they still have quite an expansion uh, possibilities going on out there, especially globally. So I still like them, even at their little bit pricier price point here. And um, also Domino's. Domino's has kind of been overlooked, even though they were one of the top stocks of the decade, certainly on uh, out the restaurant chains. And then the stock has kind of stalled here for a while. I think they're trading around 29 times, little pricey again. But they're still able to grow those same-store sales after having a couple years, literally, of double-digit same-store sales growth. So Domino's, you know, still rolling out some new menu items and still basically the top of the delivery uh, chains. And they have their great app still and able to compete against, you know, the Grubhubs and all the delivery services, it seems like. So I still like the Domino's here. And let's talk, uh, boy, what a year for IPOs here. I know it's opposite of your wheelhouse here, but, you know, if you looked at Peloton or Beyond Meat or Uber or Lyft, uh, any of these stocks, is there any way that they're working onto your radar? Um, there are a couple interesting ones, but not of the ones you just listed. Okay. <laughs> um, I do like a, a company called InMode. It's I-N-M-O-D-E and the ticker is I-N-M-D. And what they make, uh, they're small cap, and what they do is they have a radio frequency technology that basically gives you like a minimally invasive facelift, essentially, <laughs> or other body parts to make you look better for your selfies or Instagram or just in life in general. Like a lot of people want to look better right now. We have the Botox out there. There's some other kind of new fillers and things that are out, but this company also has this technique that um, is really booming right now. I think the revenue is up about 40% in the third quarter year over year. They're uh, still rolling out their procedure across the U S and um, so, you know, they're really just seeing a lot of growth right here because of what I call the Instagram generation. So the stock is up big. It's one of the few IPOs that have done really well in uh, 2019, but it's it's not trading super expensive here. I think it's 27, 28 times. It actually does have earnings. It is uh, making, you know, uh, positive earnings growth here. So uh, it's kind of like a little small cap hidden gem if you're looking around in the area of, you know, social media and Instagram generation, that kind of thing where, um, you know, we're finding a lot of people just want to look good on, on the social media sites and they're willing to pay money to get there. So it's, it's a stock to keep in, in the back on your list. Uh, Tracy, one more for you. We're getting questions from our chat. What do you think about Boeing here? Oh, well, I could 
talk about that for a while. I, I personally don't like the stock here because uh, there's just too many risks involved in what is happening right now. And, um, you know, just the delay in the plane, I feel like uh, something that's not being addressed is what is going to happen with the flying public the longer it's delayed on its comeback. And as we've seen, even with like automobiles and other things that have had technical difficulties, we should say, um, it's really hard to win back that consumer. And I feel like people are underestimating the the flying public in general worldwide who now can see when they make flight reservations what type of plane they're on. I believe they're going to probably have to rename the plane, although everybody keeps denying that. But um, I don't know. I, I don't like it here, and I would not be a buyer here. It's not cheap enough, even as a value and type of investment, because it's clearly not oversold. So I'm staying clear of Boeing because there's just too much uncertainty there. All right. We've been on the line with Tracy Reiniak. She is a stock strategist at Zach's Investment Research. Tracy, thanks for joining us today, and have a happy new year. We'll talk to you again in 2020. You guys, too, and go blue. All right. Thank you, Tracy. Uh, S&P Futures pretty much hanging at where we started the show. Uh, 32.30.75, that's up five handles. Got within a whisker of that all-time high, 34 and a quarter. So far, the current high stands at uh, 32.33, pre-market low. Uh, just above uh, your close from Friday, your close from Friday at 25.75 here uh, in this Quiet market, Spencer. We we do have some movers, though. Uh, we did talk stocks for. I haven't even looked at them since the show started, but yeah, we had a couple. Got to have a disaster. Free market. Um. Okay. Are you referring to SPPI? Is that what you're talking about? SPPI. Yeah. QGEN. Yeah. SPPI Spectrum Pharmaceuticals is down 49% this morning. Uh, they missed an endpoint on phase two of a trial, and the other one was Q. Actually, there's. Uh, well, yeah, QGE and would be the other big one. Uh, I don't Kyogen. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. Uh, they are not going to proceed with a sale of the company. They're going to remain um, in independent, standalone company as they are right now. So, QGE and SPPI are your disaster moves of the day. SBPH also uh, getting cracked here as well. That's a smaller price stock. Um, right, let me cover those two real quickly. Yeah. SPPI, you got a seller out there, a seller in size, and he is not letting up. We are at the lows of the pre-market session, uh, making a stand at five. Couldn't get enough stock there. Now we are pound. We are at uh, four forty-five, and I'll just go back here on the monthlies. I mean, this this guy doesn't look like he's done yet. So if you're trying to pick a bottom. I'd be more inclined to wait till under four dollars. Uh, you'd see if he will take it all the way, or, or she will take it all the way to that level. Uh, you had a low at three eighty six. This is back in uh, December two thousand sixteen, three years ago, and then you fall off to three twenty one. But uh, as of right now, no one is attempting to take out the seller in SPPI. And the other one, QGEN, what's what's the news on that? They are uh, not – they've concluded a strategic alternative review. They're not going to sell the company. They're going to remain a standalone business. Okay, so th this is a little bit trickier. 
because you did have a lot of people that were in it all anticipating a sell, right? Uh, and now that is off the table. So it, I don't know what happened back in October where it gapped down, but I have to assume this news, it crept higher. The news got hot between 32 and 40. You had that big run. Uh, maybe what they're offering, maybe they don't think it's high enough. I mean, that, that could be one thing. Uh, but this one, as opposed to the SPPI, who knows if someone will come back to the table on this one. So for this one, I'd be a little bit more uh, on leaning to try and pick a bottom side than I would the SPPI. You're coming back to your point of origin when the news started. You could dig a little bit more into it. The reasons why it's rejected. But uh, if this one, uh, we'll see. Well, trading at the lows of the pre-market session, that comes in at 29.02, and buyers have stepped up a little bit. I did that one. I'd be more inclined to take a shot at the, you know, trying to buy the pre-market low with a little bit of a stop uh, than I would with the uh, with the other one, SPPI. And then uh, two companies with offerings this morning: Microbot, MBOT. Uh, they announced a 9.59 million registered direct offering, priced at the market. And Hexo, our favorite, one of what our market, whatever it closes at, is that what they're determining as the market? Uh, yeah, nine hundred thirteen thousand uh, shares are priced at ten fifty. Oh, okay, and, they're scooping that up though. It's not even, and that's not a lot. Nine hundred fifty thousand no, shares. And uh, Hexo Cannabis Play reports a twenty-five million dollar offering, um, fourteen point nine seven million shares at a buck sixty-seven per. So, and they went right to it. There you have a magnet. I mean, no no daylight here until you get over 167. I don't know if the street's thinking they might have to make it a little bit lower. You traded down here to 160. Uh, what was the recent low of the move? Recent low of the move was 156, 159. So looking for some money. Uh, that can't, can't be good. But uh, we'll see what happens. 167 is your is – your, um, your level gets above that. Maybe uh, look for a little bit of a rally, but look for trading around 167 until that is complete. All right, let's get to some of the tickers in the chat. I saw someone sure. drop in Ulta, Ulta Beauty. How is Ulta? Uh, last I checked, it was doing okay. Let's see if it. Uh, mm. Yeah, yeah, it's held up since. Uh, it's since, yeah since, since that earnings report. Yeah, Triple D talked about this one too. That he you know, wouldn't mind looking at it on the. Uh, on the long side, I think you're if you're long, you held it through the report. I mean, until you get through 245, 245.92 was the low three days after the earnings report. So holding that level, that's good. Looks good to go. Uh, on the upside, 260 looks like the hurdle. Uh, 259.62 and 260.22, those are a pair of highs. So 245, 260. Trading range in here uh, for the for the bulls you want to break above 260 for the bears you want to see a breach 245. Uh, one more thing we didn't get to uh, I guess we should talk Tesla we have to talk Tesla every day we do have to talk on this Tesla. show it's 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 in our bylaws. Uh, Wedbush is maintaining their neutral rating but raising their price target to 370. I'm not sure. Uh, Joel, well, Joel, you weren't sure what to do with that information. Yeah, well, like, what do you want me to do? I don't know. It's Your raising... target was at two seventy seven. You're wrong. And now you raised the... it to three seventy seven. Right. You're wrong. 
<laughs> it's at 427. Well, well, no, they're not wrong. You're not wrong until the price targeted window expires. So they're saying December 26, 2020, Tesla will be three. That's what a most. So they're bare. So why don't they come out and downgrade it and say, I don't know. Uh, to a screaming short and bring it in at 377? I don't know. I don't know. Either do I. So uh, for Tesla, they'll just look at it technically. You're making new all-time highs. Highs of the pre-market session, 429. That's your only target on the upside. The most important level uh, for Tesla for the day will be 25 and a quarter. That's where it closed at. That's uh, your support right near the high of the session. So I don't really understand that one. No resistance ever in <laughs> Tesla. Um, and on that note, that'll be it for our show. We'll be back. We'll be back with you tomorrow for our final show not just of the week or the year, but the decade. decade. The final show of the decade tomorrow. Uh, if you missed any part of today's show, you can always catch our podcast or rewatch our show on Benzinga.com. Um, uh, sorry, YouTube.com slash Benzinga TV or premarket.benzinga.com is where our show airs. Thanks to both our guests, Tracy Raniak and Mark Chaikin. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes only and not for investing or trading advice everyone have a great rest of your day hope everyone had a merry christmas we'll see you on friday what's so special about hero bread's soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas hero bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs five to eleven grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving made with natural ingredients hero bread supports gut health promotes weight management and helps maintain blood sugar Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done.